The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the program. This is Good Morning New York. I'm Vince Rocco, and I'd like to welcome our listeners from the United States and around the world. We have a great show today. We're going to talk to an expert in agent branding. Uh, what does it take to become a successful real estate agent in this city of New York where we have so many different people running around trying to be agents, some successful, some not? We're going to uh, peel that open a little bit and talk about what it really takes to brand yourself properly uh, and uh, become successful. But first, let's talk about some celebrity moves. Uh, this week, according to Variety, Bethany Frankel of Real Housewives of New York City fame is officially saying, get off my jock, that's one of her expressions, to the Tribeca apartment she shared with her ex-husband Jason Hoppy and their daughter Bryn, the skinny girl mogul purchased the purchased the four-bedroom condo for $4.995 million in 2011 with her then-husband, launching a full-scale renovation and ultimately converting the apartment to a three-bedroom condo. But the bitter divorce grew all the more contemptuous as Bethany scrambled to find an apartment throughout season seven, as we all watched, while her ex remained comfortable in the home the skinny girl money had earned. Hoppy moved out in July, and the apartment was just listed uh, last week by fellow Bravo star Frederick Eklund for $6.95 million. Well, there you have it, $2 million more. According to the New York Post, George Clooney and his London barrister wife, Amal, have purchased a tough-floor apartment at the forthcoming 100 East 53rd Street, a 63-story condominium development from Foster & Partners, due for completion in 2017. The suave actor and his glamorously activist wife, did not go for the $65 million penthouse that's for sale in the building. Instead, they bought, purchased a 3385-square-foot unit on the 49th floor, which is only the only other high-floor residence listed for sale. The luxury Midtown Tower will give Amal Clooney easy access to the United Nations, where she sometimes deals with human rights cases. The Post also reports that she is teaching this year at Columbia Law School. The former Sex and the City star Cynthia Nixon and her wife Christine Mariani have just bought a two-bedroom apartment in the East Village for $1.49 million, but the twist is another couple, Michael Gowler and William Bowers, are also co-owners of this co-op. Maybe the apartment is for the fellas, since Nixon and Marioni also have a loft on Bleecker Street where they live, so maybe it's an investment, given that this two-bedroom is ripe for renovation that could make it even more desirable. Heck, maybe the group is going to Airbnb the place for a little mad money. Any way you slice it, the cute apartment is nice, and it's a great buy given the location, the building, and the corner unit that offers a lot of windows and light. And finally, Ellen DeGeneres may be the, the chain, the lead the charge rather among A-list celebrities who have been headlining buying and selling high-end real estate. But Uptown Girl Christy Brinkley has long set the bar. 
for owning some majestic Long Island estates. Now, Brinkley is accelerating the pace at which she's downsizing her considerable Hamptons holdings. Brinkley has just listed her Sag Harbor estate that she's owned for 12 years for $25 million. She paid $7 million back in 2004. It's located on four and a half acres overlooking Sag Harbor Bay with white columns. The mansion uh, was given a whirl on the market in 2010 for $15.75 million, but found no buyers. Anyway, let's move on. As I said, we are going to talk about some agent branding today in an ever-increasingly crowded marketplace, effective Uh, Agent branding has never been so important. Developing a meaningful personal brand that fosters trust and inspires action is the new gold standard, and omni-channel marketing is where the industry is trending. All of this is tough to keep up with, but one of the things I love about CORE is that they take each agent's personal brand as seriously as they do their own. So let's get into it. Developing good strategy is starting at the beginning as well as identifying your audience. Next, style and substance play a big role, and strong call to action never can be forgotten. Now that you're young, now that you're strong, smart campaign is developed, let's push it out across multiple platforms. That's print, digital, social, uh, video, radio, and publicity. Let's learn more about these useful techniques that help agents get noticed in today's competitive market. My guest is Elizabeth Kosich. She is Core's Chief Marketing Officer, where she serves as the company's brand guardian. I love that brand guardian. Responsible for Core's uh, visual identity, messaging, marketing, and PR strategies. She ensures brand alignment across all channels. She oversees digital strategy as well, where she advances Core's mission to engage and disrupt online. Elizabeth also, also works closely with agents to build their personal brands and individualize their listings. She received her BA in French language and literature from the University of California in Santa Barbara. Barbara, mm-hmm. and holds a, I'm not going to say this right, a certificate <laughs> superior, something or other from the Sorbonne. Superior de Français. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I could never pull that one up. From the Sorbonne in, in Paris, France. Elizabeth, good morning, and thank you for being here with it's us today. It's such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So let's get right into it. You know, what is key in putting together strategic communications and marketing plans for real estate companies? I mean, we can go all across the board here, but what is really key to putting these plans in place and making them really successful? Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, having... It, you know, effective marketing plans for agents is is so very important to differentiate yourself because it's such a crowded marketplace. So the the way that that I see it, there are really five key components, and the first is developing very strong strategy. That's really the foundation for a strong marketing campaign. You have to define who you are, what your positioning is in the marketplace. Do you specialize in uptown or maybe the downtown market? What about product? Maybe you're a penthouse specialist or townhouse uh, expert. So you really have to hone in on who you are and what differentiates you. Um, that's really the beginning of the storytelling. And as I work with agents at CORE, I kind of pound this into their heads. It's so very important to have a strong strategy. It really is, I liken it to eating your vegetables. Uh, in order to build a healthy business, you have to have strong strategy. The next important piece is defining your audience, really identifying who you're talking to and what's important to them. What you know, why would they hire you? You you want to be tuned in to what they value and what they want to hear. Maybe your core customer base are baby boomers. If that's the case, then you probably don't want to have a social strategy. Those would be for millennial-based agents who have a large 
maybe a first time uh, home buyer audience. For That's example. a very good point, actually. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think all of these <clears throat> campaigns are so very customized. It really boils down to your business and building something that makes sense. The third piece is presentation. You know, you really only have a few seconds to get somebody's attention. So we believe that you lead with beautiful photography. Less is more. You want to have very powerful copy. Um, We really do believe in quality over quantity. So uh, a, a clean design with beautiful images that really makes an, an impact quickly and makes it easier for your consumer to understand what you're saying, that really makes a big difference. That's kind of the style. Um, the substance piece is content. Developing really good copy that's clear, that's direct, that's not too cluttered to look at or to understand, that's very, very important. Um, and of course, scanning it, one last time to catch any typos makes a big difference. People forget how important that is. And and then the fifth component is having a really strong call to action. Uh, How are you inspiring action? Are you offering up a complimentary home assessment? Are you uh, extending an invite to an open house or maybe a special event? Uh, you know, maybe a, a home buyer's symposium panel discussion, make it worth their time and inspire them to come out and meet you. Let, let, let's go back to the first one for a second, because um, I like a couple of things that you said there, strategies. So I remember when I first became an agent, and, you know, this is like 15 years ago, someone pulled me aside and said, listen, if you want to be successful, you should really kind of specialize in something, whether that's condo sales, whether it's uptown, whether it's downtown, whether it's co-op sales, whatever it is, you know, in the beginning, pick something that you you can be really good at. My question then is, so, you know, from your perspective as you're leading and guiding, you know, some of these newer agents to figure things out, how many of them struggle with trying to pick a specialty? Yeah, I mean, I I think that that needs to emerge over time. I'm not not a big believer in faking it until you make it because I think that that's disingenuous and people see right through that. So uh, for... For beginning agents, what I usually recommend is, you know, you you definitely want to develop some kind of touch point to your audience. So what about something like a digital newsletter that's maybe three to five reading recommendations, something that's going to inform them? It could be featured articles on the industry focused on trends. Um, it could be, you know, uh, g- just good books for how the how the market is changing. Whatever it is, I think as long as you're delivering relevant content to your audience group, you can't go wrong. But I, I really don't encourage people to uh, kind of back into a specialty without having any experience in it because I, I just... I, I think you can smell a, f- a phony a mile away, and so th- I, I don't recommend that tactic. I mean, actually, what you just said was right on. At, at least that's what worked for me. So this person said this to me, who was a very successful uh, agent at Halstead at the time, and he did say that to me, and I, I took it in, and I thought, well, I don't even know where to begin with becoming a specialist in something because I'm just learning how to to maneuver through this business. And I did exactly what you just said. I took some time, and I kind of grew into it. Uh, and what developed probably two, maybe three years later was then I became uh, a very um, 
big specialist, I guess, in new condo development sales. I just kind of fell into it. Uh, I was asked to do something uh, in, in one of the new developments at the time that Halstead was working at. And I just clicked with it. It went well. And I became super successful as an on-site salesperson and director of sales on-site. And that became my specialty for many, many years. And, you know, as a result, now all the resales in these buildings, you know, I get, you know, the lion's share of them. So I didn't know in the beginning. And so yeah. I had to figure it out. And and that's just what came to me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's usually a natural progression. And I think it's important to just let that process play out. I, I think also what I, what I talk <clears throat> a lot um, about with new agents is, really they're in the develop in the business development phase of their mm. business so instead of like really focusing their efforts on marketing their time is much better spent networking maybe meeting uh you know one person from their network a week for coffee and asking them uh, you know, three people from their network that it would that would be worthwhile um, to be introduced to. So it's it's really all about building your business from the ground up, and eventually, over time, your expertise will will work its way to the surface. All right, we have to take a break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be back with Elizabeth. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. The reason I love real estate is because it brings people together and it bonds them forever. Sometimes clients will call me just to chat. It happened the other day. She called and said, can you talk? We talked about life in her world. She told me I had a gift and that I was a gift which made me blush, of course, but I understand what she is saying. I have the ability to pull magic out of a hat and get the deal done for my clients in the end. My clients are my family, and I really treasure family. I'm Vince Rocco with CORE, and this is what I do. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with Elizabeth Kosich, who is Chief Marketing Officer, CMO at CORE, the company that I work for, real estate here in New York. So continuing in our discussion, how is today's social media craze helping real estate companies get their message out to consumers? I mean, are social shares really strategic or should they be? Because you see so much nonsense sometimes on social media. How is it important in today's, you know, real estate firms? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so, we're all aware how powerful social media mm. is, right? I think the jury is still out in terms of the conversion rate of 
social shares and social media activity to actual sales. I do think it helps with brand awareness that that we can rely on. So I, I think if if you're once again clear on who you are and you have um, a clearly defined positioning in the marketplace, then you can um, put yourself out across social media, provided that's the right audience for you, and and really increase your social footprint, as they say. You know, it's kind of interesting because just last night as I was thinking of you and I today talking about this and just kind of running through some social media things in my head, I'm on my iPad and I had posted something about an open house of mine coming up on Sunday and I immediately get a text on my phone from a client who lives in Taiwan who I was working with a little bit a month or two ago who went back and is coming back to hopefully purchase something and she said, hey, by the way, I just saw your post, you know, on Facebook, whatever. She said, I've been looking, you know, uh, on Street Easy, and I wanted to be in touch with you again because, you know, I'm coming in a month and we want to buy something, et cetera, et cetera. Now and I'm thinking, okay, so you do get those clients in, in strange ways, I think, sometimes on social media. She sees a posting on a listing of mine that's way over her price point at $2 million range, but she sees, oh, there's Vince. Let me touch base with him, let me text him privately and tell him I'm still there, I'm coming back and I want to buy something. So it's really kind of interesting, you know? Yeah, and halfway across the world. Like it's just, it's it's mind-boggling the the power of social media. You know, I I work with an an agent who just recently um, sold, or he was on the buy side of the deal, just a a mega million dollar property at 15 Central Park West. Mm -hmm. And that came through social media. It was, he did a post on Facebook, reconnected with somebody from his high school network and, and, and there, there you go. That's how it happened. So uh, of course it's important. It's another touch point um, for staying, for staying connected to your audience um, to, you know, it's a platform to communicate who you are and why you do what you do and, and why they should hire you. So it's very, very important. I I think um, if you, if you get a substantial deal out of it, obviously that's the goal. Um, So by all means, if your audience is online, then you should have a very robust social strategy in place. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So we talked about omni-channel marketing at the top of the piece here. Besides that or beyond that, what else do you see trending in the marketplace today? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> geo-targeting is, I think it's its really going to pick up momentum. Um it's a little bit scary. If I think about it too hard, I get kind of creeped out because Big Brother <laughs> is here and he's watching. Yes, um, absolutely. You know, geotargeting is basically precision marketing by IP address. So you can identify, um, you know, different maybe luxury buildings that you want to target or maybe empty nesters in Westchester who are moving back into the city and we're seeing an increase in buying trends with that demographic, for example, you can actually target those households with, um, you know, different push notifications. You're going to pop up in their world, on their phone, on their computer. Um, So that's, that is really going to be picking up speed. I also think, you know, other technological advancements um, we'll just have to keep our eyes on. I think that there's always improvement around the buyer process, how to empower the customer um, and increase that customer experience, and also empowering the the broker community. Uh, you know, there are a lot of DIY platforms that are, um, you know, really helpful and useful and empower agents. 
And I, I expect more of those to come. I also think that charitability is going to be a big theme moving forward. I agree. You know, you, you, have, you have to keep your eyes on the next generation, right? So that's the millennials. This is a generation of, con- of conscious consumers who really uh, care about giving back and helping others. That's what matters to them. So I think agents connecting themselves to different uh, charitable uh, uh, organizations having different affiliations like that, um, that's going to be a powerful piece of branding um, moving forward. I absolutely agree with that. And I, and I, we've talked about that on this program many times about giving back. I just like to do that uh, in, in my life and in my world because I think, you know, uh, we should and, and, and you know, uh, we need to. And that always comes back, you know, in, in, in good ways. Getting back to the agents, so how often um, should branding be updated you know, each individual agent and then companies, you know, do we stick with the same strategy, for example, for for a year? Do we change it, you know, when needed? And how often is needed? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really changed. There's a new demand of freshening up your look uh, every few years. You know, a, a companies used to overhaul their website about once a <clears> decade. <throat> mm-hmm. Those days are over. It really, um, w- what what we're looking at today is uh, freshening up your look every two to three years. I think that that's kind of the new requirement to mm-hmm. stay competitive. I believe that agent branding should echo the branding of the company. Absolutely. So um, as long as there's consistency there, I, I, I think I think that that's very important. So the agent is evolving alongside the company in visual identity, in um, you know voice and tone of the brand, and all of those elements. So I, I think it's it's a market where you just always have to be you always have to stay on your toes. Yeah, and I, I like the way we handle that at Core too. Everything is is so you know um, tight and and brand for both company and agent. You just see it, you feel it, you kind of work with it, and it it, it feels good. And and you, I've worked in other places where stuff was just all over the place, and you really didn't get a sense of what you know the mission was, and and that's very important. Yeah, and and you know we we can't forget that um, the power of branding is really in building trust, mm-hmm. and we're what we want to do is build emotional bonds with our key audience groups. So in order to do that, you have to be very consistent over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. So that's both for the company and for the agent. So, you know, ultimately that's what you're trying to do is grow trust. So that's, you know, that's why consistency is so important. How does CORE work with public relations and the general media to ensure ongoing brand recognition? With all of this said, how do we do that with um, public relations? Uh, you know, PR is so very powerful. Um, and we really approach it like like most do. There are short lead stories and long lead stories. You know, the, the short stuff is breaking news. You know, properties that sell over ask or new development um, projects that launch. And then the long lead stuff is kind of the the juicier bits, right? So that's trend stories. That's where we get to really examine consumer um, behaviors and, um, you know, build out meaningful stories that really inform the, the consumer and, um, and uh, always... Um, positioning core as the expert, of course. Yeah, because you know a lot of times 
<clears throat> people think, oh, you know, public relations or PR, this or that. But, you know, I always say, first of all, it's necessary and it's absolutely a requirement, but you've got to have something to talk about. You've got to have a good story, a tight story, a good brand to talk about before you can then push it out there to the masses. How do you think we we do compared to other companies? I mean, I have my opinions, but how do you think we do compared to other companies? Because I really believe, you know, everybody's out there trying, but I think some companies do it a hell of a lot better than others. Regardless of the size of the companies. Right. I I think Core has always um, managed the brand very closely. And I think that it that approach has served itself very well. Um, you know, we we tend to be a bit of an industry leader when it comes to visual identity. We've been lucky to have a brilliant creative director since the very beginning, um, who just does incredible work. So um, we've and the philosophy is just leading with beautiful imagery, beautiful photography. You know, clean, clean, clean. Um, and despite our scale, which is really a boutique firm. Um, we, we, we've had quite a big footprint on the industry, um, as kind of the, the leader in, in branding. So we really value it. And I think people look to us, um, in, 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 in terms of that. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think it's been our point of differentiation in, in the marketplace. And, and ultimately, we support our agents in the same way. You know, we, we really do have, um, a, a really good process uh, implemented internally where we help them build smart s- sales plans to support their business their business and then we make sure that we have really smart marketing campaigns um, supporting those sales targets so it's it it all goes together and you know I, I think that that it's helped that core has been very clear on how they want to do business and how they want um, to to grow their agents and um, yeah and 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 I I hope our agents are are happy for it. <laughs> we certainly are. But I, you you answered it exactly how I was hoping you would because you know when I was looking to make a change recently and I chose Core and I chose it for specific reasons and all of which you just hit and that basically is the branding and how supportive of the agents. It's not only just supporting the company but it's supporting the agents. For example, listings and photos. I remember when Shane and I first started. You know, we were used to doing you know whatever we were doing and marketing would say, no, 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 you can't do it. You have to do it this way. And I'd be like, uh, okay, I'm, I'm cool with that. But, you know, it was a re-education for me. And then when you look at the final product and and how the pictures should be, the photos should be, the, the floor plan should be, and you understand, wow, this is really branding, you know, to the max. And it looks beautiful on, on the website and, and wherever else it's going out. Uh, so, it, it's it's also important, and it all makes you know a lot of sense. And and I can see it compared to a couple of other companies that I work for uh, in the past. Uh, we have a few minutes left. I wanted to talk to you about the new campaign that Core has launched here on Voice America. It's called "This Is What I Do" campaign. Each week, two agents tell the story of the best compliment a client has ever paid them. I love this campaign and have gotten a lot of good feedback. Each week, you know, because sometimes commercials in, in the middle of whatever can be kind of you know sucky. This even gets my attention, and I know the agents, and, and, but when I'm listening, and I forget sometimes when the commercial comes up and then I hear an agent's voice. Tell us about that, because I told you when you first came up with it, this is brilliant. Oh, it really you. is. Thank you. It's a lot of fun. We're having a lot of fun with it, aren't we? Yep, we are. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, so. Um, yeah, so it, they're, they're 30-second spots, um, and 
I mean, I when I kind of set out to to develop it, and I was in my creative process, I I, I thought, well, you know, the the best advertising is really third party endorsements. So uh, that's what I latched onto first, and you know, but this was such a great opportunity to feature all of our agents. Um, so I, I just thought if if they deliver the um, the third party endorsement and and really own it, um, that could that could be really cool. And then so content is super important, right? But then the other side of it is delivery. I wanted it to have very much of a fly on the wall vibe to it, and and have it be um, very casual and conversational. So um, with all of the agents that I'm that I've been prepping, I show them an, an ad campaign back from the 1980s. Uh, it's a Calvin Klein campaign with Annie McDowell, and she's um, just you know, kind of talking off the cuff and has this very conversational style. So that mm-hmm. that was the inspiration behind it. I'm dating myself, um, but <laughs> but but you can't it was catch me. Don't worry about it. It's it's a lot of fun. So I th- I think everyone's having a good time with it. It is, and 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 by the way, Elizabeth also directs each of these um, sessions because I did one of them, and. It was fantastic, you know, just to go through that. Uh, and I was a lot more nervous doing that than I am doing this every week. So it's oh, a very, you're a pro. It's very interesting. But, you know, that campaign, I keep saying it because I really mean it. I think it's just incredible. I love the fact that our agents get an opportunity to highlight themselves. Oh, yeah. And to talk about something that, you know, they're, they're a great compliment from one of your clients. This is a very, very difficult business, yeah. uh, no matter how you turn it around. And so, you know, when you get a an opportunity to hear a nice thing from one of your customers. It's just, it makes you feel better and it makes you want to do even more. Yeah. And we, we really want to give the, um, you know, potential clients reasons to hire you. So that's the whole point. Absolutely. Anyway, we are out of time. Uh, so thank you so much for coming today, Elizabeth Kosich, CMO, Chief Marketing Officer of CORE. Again, the company that I work for real estate here in New York City. We thank you, and please come back and see us again. Vince, thanks so much for having me. All right, guys. We'll be right back, and uh, don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. Thanks once again to Elizabeth Kosich, CMO at Core Real Estate here in New York, for giving us some smart tips on agent branding. You know, this is a really tough business, very competitive business. And so anytime we can hear from an expert on how to better do our jobs as real estate agents, I'm all for it. So we are now talking to the panel, Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Parul Brombat from Compass, (laughs) and Phil Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com. How is everybody today? How are you, Vince? Well, I'm not the only one with a, a sultry voice today. Parole's a little under the weather. <laughs> She's a little under the weather. Hello, everybody. Yeah, yeah it's so sexy. It I love it. <laughs> Listen, Elizabeth had a little frog in her voice, too. Mm-hmm. She was sick over the weekend, yeah. so I guess tis the season, as they say. Yeah, it is. She sounded amazing, though. She sounded good, yeah. She's got a really great radio voice, but, you know... Despite all the wonderful colors that happen this time of the year, unfortunately, all these little bugs start going around and we start feeling a little scratchy. I had a little something in there over the weekend that just kind of went away. Thank God. And the subway was so packed this morning that I'm like two, I'm like an inch from eight other people. So I know. Sure. Isn't that amazing? There's stuff going around and, yeah. and we're going to all get it. Yeah. And you used to say, you know, when you went we're back to the school days, you know, you're in school and you, and you catch colds or whatever, flus, yeah. because you, had, you were around so many people. But what the rest of the world doesn't realize is here in New York City and in a lot of other cities, you're on the subways all the time and they're action packed with germs, you know, really. Not only that, but speaking of, um, you know, I really always wonder about ventilation in buildings, you know, all of ours and every building we walk in and out of. Well, I'm one that says I'm always in for moving air. So there's always yes. a window in my house open. I don't care what the temperature is outside or something. You have to have moving air. Yeah. Otherwise, it's no good. Anyway, let's move on. While sales in Manhattan slowed to more moderate pace during the third quarter of 2016, according to markets uh, markets in Brooklyn and Queens, boomed. So Manhattan kind of slowed. Brooklyn and Queens boomed, with sales reaching unprecedented levels, according to new reports released by brokerage firms last week. In both boroughs, condo, co-op, multi family and luxury property price indicators broke records, inventories fell, and the market moved at its fastest pace in years. What the hell is happening outside of Manhattan, guys? Mm-hmm. I mean, you would think that the trend would be, you know, busier here in New York, in, in, in Manhattan, but not in the third quarter. Well, I'm sure Parole can speak from this, especially with the new development. But I think new development-wise, a lot of the there are two reasons why Brooklyn is really booming in the past quarter and quarter before that is because not only do I think that people are just outraged by some of the new development prices in the city, not all, some, um, you know, so they feel, you know, the they they have a chance to look elsewhere. And when they look in Brooklyn at new developments, there's a big price slash yeah. and you get amazing products for what's and, out there. And, and even and on the higher end, you're looking at like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars a square foot. Instead of twenty five hundred exactly. a square foot. And that's a so. big difference. Yeah, um, but also I think that the, a lot of developers are holding developments in the city. And some big time developers like Extel and JDS mm-hmm. and who are using Starkitects and they're going to Brooklyn and building projects and opening them now. So I think that that also is increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. But let's look at the co-op market also, because not only is new development a better buy in the, in the outer boroughs, but co-ops seem to be you know, a better buy these days, or at least according to data in the third quarter of this year in Brooklyn and in Queens. What is that about? 
I think it's gross price pr- prices in general, right? So I think there's different categorical markets that we deal with. So we deal with like the bread and butter buyers, right? So that's generally the co-op buyers. Um, they have a set amount, first-time home buyers, you know, younger buyers, families, younger families, people who need more space. These are the people who are going to really be price sensitive um, and also a little bit more willing to move a, a little bit further out of the most centralized locations. Um, that's going to drive the market that is like a we-need-to-move market, you know? Also, if you look at a lot of the articles in the New York Times over the past year, even more, like two or three years, um, they are constantly talking about areas like Woodside and Jackson Heights. And these areas mm-hmm. are very highly populated right. with co-ops, and they're very reasonable. You right. can get well, yeah. like a two- or three-bedroom for $500,000, maybe even right. less. That's pretty amazing. Even yeah. less, yeah. Yeah. So, Phil, you know, on the rental side of things, um, you know, in the third quarter, I don't have those statistics in front of me, but you know, wh- where was the market hotter in the outer boroughs in the third quarter or in Manhattan? Probably on the margin, also the outer boroughs. Um, the rental market's weak right now. Yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, surprisingly weak, and um, a lot of stuff sitting on the market. A lot of a lot of prices are coming down. Um, if you're putting on an apartment right now in Manhattan anyway, very often you're b- <coughs> below or the same price as last year, or it's the same price as last year, but there might be an incentive on it. A month free, two months free, landlords paying. But a lot of people are going to the outer boroughs, which I do believe that is one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why Manhattan is a little slower, because now there are so many other neighborhoods that people say, sure, I'll live there. I'll live in Queens. You know, they'll come. It used to be they come to us and say Manhattan only. Now it's uh, sure. Well, let's, let's look at Queens. Let's look at Brooklyn too. It's like so. we've been talking about the past couple of weeks. All these edge neighborhoods that are popping up all over the place that are becoming popular. But you know, I, I still have to ask the question. Um, you know, we all live in Manhattan, but I still ask the question. You know. It used to be, like you said, people say, no, 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 it's only Manhattan. I don't want to live anywhere else. But now it's okay or it's almost kind of cool. I have to believe that it's even more than price, um, that it's okay I think okay it's livability. Socially. Yeah, I think yeah. there's a livability that's coming up. And I think that it's interesting. I actually do think, and maybe I'm just looking at a certain segment, so I hesitate to say this. But lately, at least everybody I meet who's like 20-something, you know, under, like I would say under like 27, 28, um, what I'm noticing, even like super rich kids, right? Like they just, they dress a little more like just boho and, and there's a little more of a boho mentality, I think, in the this upcoming sort of generation. It's like the younger millennials, if you will, you know? I also think that people, not only millennials and generational thing, but anyone who's below, let's call it 70, yeah. <laughs> um, is just more open than they used to be. And I think that I people think so who too. used There's to say, shift, right? yeah, people who used to say, I only want to be in the West Village. I think that people are more open to, I would live anywhere on the West Side. Yeah. And especially, I mean, personal, you know, experience and example. I absolutely agree with yeah. I just moved, you know, two months ago to 113th Street up, you know, uptown. Yeah. And I was someone who used to never, you know, who always used to say I would never go above 96th Street. So I, um, I love it. I'm more open. So I, yeah. that might be true. I like to think that it's less about like as a culture, we're being more open. It could be on the margin. However, what I think it ha- what happens is that it's like where your friends go. So um, Bedford style, Bed style, as an example, like people wouldn't even consider it, but there were pioneers that were going there five, six years ago. And so now when people come to us, they go, yeah, I'll, I'll consider Bed Stuy. Why? Cause they know someone that lived there. Like, it's not like these people are just 
on their own being so open. Right. Right. So that's that's just what happens. That's just gen- Marcus gentrified. And you know, I also, and just, I think that's what it is. Testimonials and it's a natural process. You know, it's also I think that every, the livability, right? Like if you look at like the '90s in New York City, right? I mean, you wouldn't live. You wouldn't live in certain areas because they were so icky and dirty and Absolutely. prostitutes and <clears throat> you know there were like heroin addicts on on the street corners your purse could get grabbed I mean it was a very very different city and now it's like every corner even Jackson Heights like all of these places are just getting cleaned up they're so cute there's great shops I think when the livability like I think it's kind of goes hand in hand as people become more open to testing out different markets as Manhattan becomes more expensive, as livability gets so high that then people start saying, yeah, well, I am moving to Brooklyn. This is crazy. I'm not paying $2,500 a square foot, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it all becomes gross and it and becomes more and more acceptable. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I'm in this city since 1983. So that's 33 <laughs> years ago. And, you know, I have seen all of the transition that Perul just talked about. And yesterday I'm coming home in a cab. I, I, I'd left my office. I had to go show something uh, in the West 40s. Um, but I took a cab, which was a big mistake. And we were coming up 10th Avenue in the 30s. And I just happened to look out the window and, and realized um, all of the Hudson Yards development. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show. And it's not even close to being finished but it already has made the area look so different because it's closing in now with buildings and all these glass towers. And I can visualize knowing a lot about the development as I'm sitting in the cab going to my appointment, just what it's going to look like. And a grimy, old, dingy, old neighborhood in the West 30s, really far west, off the railroad tracks and almost into the river, is now going to be glamorous. And I can't, I mean, it's like, wow. Amazing, right? It, mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's I remember, amazing. I think it was Glenwood. Perception is reality, I right? I think it was uh, yes. Glenwood yes. had that building. Was it, is it called the Emerald? Something like that. Do you guys know it? It's like, I think it's the Emerald or something like yes. that. Emerald Green, I think uh, it is. Yes. Yes. yes in the yes, West yes. 30s. I mean, that's like a, so that's an example of yeah. someone that has like very forward thinking. Very yep. forward They thinking. bought there maybe 10 years ago. Yep. Yeah. And I remember it was like, and they were offering all these incentives yes. and people can get like a one bedroom for 2,500 yep. and amazing amenities. But now it's going to be an amazing location. Prices yeah. are skyrocketing and they're right in the thick of it. So, I mean, there are these pioneers that think about these things. Of course. Like I have friends who bought on 45th and 10th um, and I, it was no man's land for like three, four years. And like now it's so nice. There's like restaurants as soon as you walk right outside. It's such a quaint neighborhood, you know? And it's only getting better with Hudson Yards. I've I've told the story many times about the developers (laughs) when I was being interviewed for on-site sales job um, on a brand new building a bunch of years ago on 47th Street and 10th. And I really didn't remember before I went into this interview where this building was placed. And so I asked the question and one of them, I was sitting like, on one side of the table, and the three developers were on the other side, and the head of our new development was sitting next to me, uh, to my left. And they said, oh, the building is going to be on 47th Street and 10th Avenue. We're building right above the railroad tracks. And I kind of looked at him, and I said, what? Are you kidding <laughs> me? 47th Street and 10th Avenue? And then, you know, I can feel my my director of whatever poking me in the side like, Vince, shut up. <laughs> and I quickly recovered, and I thought, oh, yeah, but you know what? That neighborhood is changing. But to Perul's point, you know, then, in 2007, 
it was a disaster over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. It was a no disaster. man's land. And now I go there because I still do all the retails in that building, and it's that's where Vince and I met. Ab- that's right. Oh my god, that's right. <laughs> yes. And that's and 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 the place is ama- is is amazing. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing for restaurants for everything. It's just, but I didn't. I personally didn't have the vision that I thought. Oh, I didn't either. I sold out of their minds. I sold there mm-hmm. with Vince, and uh, and I kind of was like, "Are you sure? Let's walk to the subway again. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was really because you at least when you're on the buy side, you want to make sure that you're making them think of all the different things that they're not thinking about when they're focused on price per square foot or whatever it is. Right. With all the amenities. Exactly. Is, uh, exactly. Yeah. Which we're going to talk about right after the break. We have to go to break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com A client gave me the best compliment. He said, I'm the MacGyver of real estate. True, I'm resourceful and reliable. It was during a short sale that involved two banks and a foreclosure. And it was during the financial crisis. I pulled every trick out of my hat and we closed the deal. He said, if I was ever stranded on a highway at two in the morning, you'd be the first person I'd call. (laughs) I am known for answering the phone at all hours of the night. But what he didn't know was that I've even helped a client change a tire. I'm Elizabeth Key with CORE, and this is what I do. In my opinion, the referral business is the biggest compliment that a real estate broker can have. I had clients that I actually didn't even help them find their home, but they referred their sister to me, and they commented on my professionalism, my knowledge and understanding of the market, and that something I did stuck with them. they become friends over the past 15 years and have referred more than 12 deals to me with friends and family. The fact that they think of me first and trust me with their family is really, really cool. I'm Steve Snyder with CORE, and this is what I do. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. We are back with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Peru Brombat from Compass, and Phil Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com. So there's no shortage of inventory in the development-hungry city, and these newest additions to the real estate stockpile prove developers are eager to offer something for everyone in the amenity department, and we've talked about this before. Health centers you know, take center stage, uh, physical fitness rooms, of course, with virtually all buildings offering these facilities, but some... Uh, still take the cake with such over-the-top features as golf simulators and private saltwater pools. And as we talked about last week or the week before, $1 million parking spaces. I guess that's an amenity. Mm-hmm. 
are, we, are buyers really wowed by these amenities? I mean, really? So I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it depends. I mean, to use a word that parole loves, I'm going to plug our amazing (laughs) company, Core. One of the reasons I love it is because it's so small and we have quarterly meetings that are the whole firm. Mm -hmm. And at our last quarterly meeting, one of the guest speakers was the head of La Palestra. And that was one of the original, you know, founders of amazing amenities. And, you know, they're in places like the Alden on Riverside Boulevard. Um, You know, they're, I think they're at 515 East 72nd. They're, you know, so their whole idea was like, this is going to bring people to buildings, having incredible amenities that are so, you know, in outer space. But now I feel like... most buildings are offering that. So you really have to, you know, I think buyers go to building to building and they say, you know, they all have great amenities. <laughs> I, I don't, I, you know what I mean? I think it's becoming less about the amenities actually because they've all become so similar. I have a buyer now that says specifically, I do not want a building with a lot of amenities. They don't not, want the high carrying costs. That's right. right. Not, that, not only, that's, that's not only because they don't want, they're not going to use them as much because they just don't want to pay for someone else's amenities exactly. that they're not going to be using. Right. So uh, ha- having said that, though, there is definitely a buyer out there that does is drawn to a lot of amenities. And it also depends at the time you are in your life. For example, now I have a child, and we would definitely be drawn to a building with an incredible playroom. Yes, uh, even if it's a little off the beaten path, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. And so, and, and and that's something that I'm saying now, and I think buyers have said that to me in the past, and I didn't quite understand it until I actually have a child, and you realize how cycle of life. That is. You know, we talk yeah. about this all yeah. the time. It's yeah. and you just said where you are in your life, and so sometimes right. that makes a difference, sometimes it doesn't. And just another way of thinking about it to go off of what Parole said, um, I do a lot of resales in this in this high rise in Harlem and it has a 25 year tax abatement which is rare these days for new developments so you know when people it depends on the building because if someone goes to a building that has no tax abatement so the carrying costs are already right. very high they'll say well I'll be nitpicky because I don't need all these amenities so why do I want to pay for it but if there's a tax abatement, the monthlies are so low, they'll be more open to the more amenities. And it's so true because my parents are thinking about moving back into the city and, you know, they would never look at in a building without a doorman and a super. Whereas right. I'm like, you know, they're going to know all my business when I come back at night. I'm, I'm okay if I have one or don't have one. It depends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm always on the fence with that, and I I think I'm going on record saying that yeah, if I move again, no more doorman for me. Anyway, moving on. Now that we're firmly in the middle of fall, as evidenced by the omnipresent fall pics on social media, all these wonderful, colorful things on social media, the outdoor winter markets are approaching. So, Brick Underground asked New Yorkers, "Would you rather have uh, the summer street fairs or the winter holiday markets?" So. Summer street fairs or winter holiday markets? I love now, that because there's never really a choice. You can have both. You have the, the well, summer you, street you fairs have, in the summer. You can have both, exactly, and we do. But what is your favorite? And in I New guess Yorkers, that would say your if you favorite. lived in Europe, what would you come to New York for? The Christmas markets or the summer street? Well, let's, let's, let's flip that. I loved being in Europe for the Christmas markets. Yes. So I was just going that, to say that. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, actually, I one of my favorite times of year is in that fall transitioning to winter time Perfect where time they have the orange flags in Central yes. Park for that exhibit. I never remember what it is, but it's always so pretty. Oh, yeah. I can't, 
So that's that's my time where where like Phil said, where you merge the, the summer markets and the winter markets. Are we cheating on these answers these totally. days, Matt? <laughs> I'm one of, I was always one of those kids growing up that yeah, there's just, an A, B, C, and D and answer, and I was like, well, can I have a fill in? Like, yeah, none well, of these work for me. You wanted to bridge from A to B. No, yeah. yes. that's gonna work. The answer to the survey is people most. Uh, mostly chose winter holiday I agree, markets. actually. And I, agree I think with that's that. mine, too. Well, you I know think what it is? It's because the street fairs are overdone. Fairs, not only yeah, that, it's the true. same thing at every street at fair. At every street yeah, fair. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. become so yeah. predictable, whereas the winter yeah. holiday markets still have a little more mystery to them. And I'm sorry, you just can't beat a beautiful Christmas tree and, and festive colorful yeah. ornaments and colors and cold and I just think we snow. need more, more glue vine and like, uh, you yeah. know, like hot, like hot uh, and spiced wine. Rum. Yeah, spicy mm. warm wine outdoors. Yeah, All right, here, here's one, and this is a little personal too, so your answers are going to help me out. To drive or not to drive, it's a question that plagues a lot of New York residents as we simultaneously relish the freedom to forego a car while daydreaming about Easy IKEA runs or spontaneous weekend getaways upstate, whatever. But just like everything else, having a car in New York City is uh, a different ball game than driving in most other places. Besides the nightmarish gridlock, there are a number of city-centric cost considerations and logical hassles to keep in mind before you throw caution to the wind and get your own car if you don't already have one. Does having a car in New York City prove helpful? Now, I, before you answer, you know, when I saw the story, I said, I got to talk about this because every so often I go through this, I have a car and I've always had a car, but I got rid of it a bunch of years ago for about like three years and decided, oh, no, no, I got to have a car again. So I went out and bought a car. That's interesting. Now I'm, now I'm like, okay, what, you know, I pay all of this money for a car. And when I drive it, I'm I'm ready to kill somebody because the gridlock in Manhattan is crazy. Mm-hmm. The cost of insurance, the cost of parking the car in a garage, on and on and on and on. So I'm kind of like in the middle right now. I don't know where to go with this. I bet you, Matthew, and I have the same thing to say. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I, we might. I be guess I can't this. tell so by this the is, I, I, This is. I love this topic. Um. <laughs> so I actually just got rid of my car because the lease was up last week. Um. And I love having a car in the city. I really do. It, it's just, it's, it is a luxury though. You know, I don't get people who the move luxury. their cars around from side, you know, sidewalk, to sidewalk, and because no, they're street cleaning. Oh I don't that. have time for it. It's such a, it's such a pain. I have no patience. But if you can afford the luxury of keeping it in the garage, paying the insurance, paying the monthlies, um, I personally have always loved it to get out of the city. I love yep. having the flexibility. Yeah. Um, I, while saying that, I do not understand people who have cars in the city and say they live uptown and they drive it downtown every what? day. It, that, that, yeah, that makes, makes sense no to sense. me. Like, I, I really know people like that. Is there people that exist like that? Well, yes. I know well, so I many know people who, do that. who does do that and, and justifies. He says, well, I have to justify having the expense of this car, so I drive it to work every day. And I'm uh, thinking, we're like, well, well, no, I would not do that's that. That's insane. It's like, it's it, crazy. It, it's undue yeah. stress. Whereas, right, right. whereas I purposely love to have it to get out of the city. Mm-hmm. I will go, not to you know get too into me, but I love going to see my parents with it because exactly. we always say my parents live too close to the city well, that there's no good public transportation on the weekend be like hey what are yeah, you doing I, I love going upstate to yeah. get away I love playing golf like it's nice to have the flexibility to get out whenever you want well that's why I keep it and that's why I like it because my family like yours lives out of the city and so even you know on a whim you want to just say hey I'm going to drive up to the country this weekend 
Now, you know, when you're renting a car, which the three-year period that I didn't have, you have to really plan your getaways because renting cars here in the city, A, is expensive, and B, not always available. You may not even get it. You You may not even get it. How many times did I get stuck on holidays? It was frustrating. It's exceptionally expensive to rent cars here. It's exceptionally expensive. And places like Zipcar are great. I Except I, when I tried but it, I don't, it I was not. But I travel for much longer than that. Like exactly. you can't do a zip car even overnight. And so I realized when I tried it, if you do it on an hourly basis, those those ideas like that, if you go a minute over your time, they charge you so harshly for over using it like for the I delays. feel like there's a big need and a big open space available for a more efficient more affordable um, car situation here. There's something in between. Yeah, like, I think there's something in between that needs to happen. I have some Manhattan. ideas. We could talk. I know. We're um, going to start a business. Well, first of all, it wouldn't be so bad if we can keep the people who don't live in the city out of the city with their cars every day. It's called mass transportation. And then, you know, I've, I've gone on this rant forever with the bike lanes now and, and the, the West End Avenue becoming single lane. And, and, and I it's seriously, insane. like, I have a dream. Well, they my, can dream s- is, my dream is that Manhattan would have no cars except for only like a select number of like cabs ubers i mean we're smart and here unless, though there needs to be a way that like, we can figure this yeah, out like you european the, cities you park the cars outside <clears throat> of the city and then mm-hmm. in the car you either walk you take a bike well, you subway we're gonna we're gonna figure that out maybe next time because we are out of time like, that is good morning new york for this week thanks for coming back you can catch okay. the show anytime on podcast or on our website voiceamerica.com or vincerocco.com For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Well, so many European cities, like, they only allow a certain... Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. 